the idea behind building something with Unicraft is that you have your application and then you can target these different platforms or different architectures. Build once your application, but then compile many times. This is Contributor, a podcast telling the stories behind the best open source projects and the communities that make them. I'm Eric Anderson. Today we get to talk about Unicraft, which is a unikernel technology, and I'm joined today by Alexander Jung and Simon Kunzer, who are some of the project backers and creators. Thanks for joining Alexander and Simon. No, thank you for having us. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Really uh, appreciate this opportunity. I've been excited about this call for some time because this has been a thing I've been curious about. I'm excited to hear about your progress. Maybe you could start us out by explaining what Unicraft is. So um, yeah, Unicraft is a uh, unikernel development kit. It basically is an open source project. Um, it allows you to build very specialized lightweight virtual machines that are single process. And they have sort of enormous performance and security benefits that they reap because they change the way you think about deploying something as a virtual machine. The basic premise is that there's no user kernel space separation, right? So your application is sort of compiled straight into and as its own bespoke kernel, right? So it boots, it does some minimal initialization, uh, you know, no system D, no shell, nothing else. Um, it, it boots straight to main. And Unicraft as a project allows you to build these unikernels very quickly and easily. It allows you to take your pre-existing application and compile it into these lightweight virtual machines. And Sort of the benefit there is again, you know, performance. You get to build something that is enormously quick in being able to boot, enormously performant in terms of its, for example, uh, throughput. If you were to do a nginx application or web-based application, and has a small attack surface, right? There's no extra ports running that can be exposed. There's, there's nothing uh, additional that can be targeted from a malicious sort of standpoint. And so Unicraft essentially just builds these and allows you to do that. Got it. And what you've described so far sounds like maybe the definition of unikernels. Is that right? And unikernels has been an idea, I, I believe, that's been around for a few years. There's other kinds of unikernel platforms. I don't know what the right word is there. Maybe you could talk a bit about what makes Unicraft unique among those. So compared to other unikernel projects, of course, 10 years, that the, there was a lot of stuff happening. So there was, for instance, Mirage OS, which is actually still around as an open source project but still focuses on the OCaml language, which I think, yeah, it's it's probably not the, for everyone the best choice, that language, although they have many concepts and similar uh, what we have with libraryization and minimizing the components to the ones that you only need for running your application. But there was also RAM kernel, pretty popular, which uh, we see as the, let's say at that time, the most closest to the POSIX compliant. So it was really easy with it to run existing applications. It was actually based on uh, NetBSD. The problem with it was that the performance wasn't great, but I think this was more an implementation issue. This could have been fixed. That was really not very configurable as well either, right? Yeah, yeah, it's not really configurable. And the other thing was also, it's still based on a general purpose kernel. What we try is really going for special or a purpose-built kernel actually uh, to your application that looks different from application A compared to application B. 
Yeah. You really got the whole uh, kernel when you compiled the rump. You, you got the whole NetBSD just without the user space or kernel space separation. And like, you can't configure it. You look at the configuration files, one config.h file, and you kind <laughs> of set a few things inside of there if you want to change the networking stack, for example. But to add to that, like rump is dead. Like um, uh, it just doesn't, you know, no one uses it. Uh, the project's not maintained. I think um, Antikanti, right? The guy who did his thesis on it, um, I think he's he doesn't work on it at all anymore. I think he's dropped from this landscape. Although it got upstreamed in NetBSD, so there's some some pieces that still live. You can use it for debugging, right? The NetBSD. I think that's the main purpose, right? You can do in whilst you're running NetBSD, you can debug the NetBSD kernel with it right right yeah and then there's um what may maybe we should also mention is uh which also inspired us is hermit core and hermit tux which have still i mean i would say a research focus but they were also trying early already trying uh, to build binary compatible unicorns what we're also trying to do with our library ecosystem right now as well yeah they do basically binary rewriting taking the binary that you have pre-built, right? Imagine you don't have the source code or you don't want to compile the source code and you have the final elf binary. You can then just say, okay, these instructions where you do this syscall, don't do that syscall, jump here instead. That's the basic premise. Maybe we can look at this also in the history of how, where we come from. So first of all, our unique point uh, from, let's say, as you said, actually it started like 10 years ago, these uh, unicorn topics. Our unique point is the specialization that we have and libraryization of our unikernel system. Because um, let's say 10 years ago, we had quite of many projects trying to build efficient unikernels, but you ended up in throwaways in a sense that each of the project built their own bases, ported their own application, did their own optimizations, but that was never a common shared base meaning running on different platforms or supporting a different application was problematic. And in our case, we see it as an SDK for building unicorns and trying to avoid that issue that was happening at that point of time. Makes sense, Simon. Why don't we actually just go back to the beginning and maybe you can help us understand how you got into this project and the story behind how Unicraft came to be. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, also our path started 10 years ago. We started from a research background as many of the other unicorn projects too. I personally come from NEC Labs, uh, which is a laboratory of the NEC Corporation, the Japanese IT company. And we basically started our unikernel um, journey with ClickWest, which was our unikernel for network function virtualization. So it used the Click Router software which is a programmable network function in the end. So you could uh, load a graph into it and then you could uh, build with it like a NAT or a level two forwarder or a DHCP server with it. And we provided that click runtime based on MinUS, which was actually a base for many of the Unicorn projects at that time to run it really efficiently on the Zen hypervisor. And... We continued doing our research with content cache nodes. So we jumped a bit on the CDN hive like two, three years later. And again, built a unikernel with a purpose-built file system, a purpose-built web server on top. And all that work actually revealed us to the great benefits that you have with unikernels, which is 
basically 10 milliseconds of boot times, few megabytes of RAM usage. So there's like this nice anecdote that we could build an Hello World Unikernel for Zen with just 200 kilobytes of RAM assigned with an image size of 32 kilobytes. And funny thing was also we had to uh, patch the uh, Zen tool stack to make it even possible to run a Unikernel with just 200 kilobytes because people were thinking at that time. So there was a hard-coded limit of four megabytes as the minimum for a Unikernel. And also in terms of network performance, it was easily possible with the specialized and purpose-built network stacks to deal with 10 or 40 gigabits in network traffic with a single virtual CPU. And we speak here about 10 or eight years ago, actually. And also some of our experiments, we also saw that it's possible to run 8,000 of those instances on a single server as well. But the problem that we became aware is actually this development effort to build such a unikernel because it became, as I mentioned before, really to a throwaway when you get a new application or you want to get it running on a different platform than Zen, you had to do a lot of work to get that working, especially on the application side, since many of these unicorns at that time didn't have this POSIX compliance or Linux compatibility available. So this meant a lot of manual work to get more applications working. Yeah, and that actually led us to the SDK idea because there's all these benefits of fast performance, working really efficiently. They really came also from the manual work that we built into the system. And actually, I started then internally at NEC early 2017, building the first lines of the Unicraft project. And uh, with two more colleagues, we launched a publicly Unicraft first time in December 2017 as an incubator project under the Zen project that actually helped us a lot scaling the project. And from then on, we actually started providing kernel functionalities as libraries, like schedulers, memory allocators, and also platform support. And it was like the biggest task here was to define APIs between those libraries so that in the future, if you have a new application or a new platform and platform is for us like a, a hypervisor support, like for example, uh, VMware or Hyper-V, it's just the work of that little specifics that you need to implement to run it on Zen or run it on KVM or run it wherever you want it, but not implying the library ecosystem to adopt to your platform support. And also the libraries, we wanted to keep them as minimal as possible and also exchangeable in order to let people customize the unikernel basis as close to what people need in their unikernel project. This means, as an example, that some projects may not need ever multiprocessing support because the application logic they run will never make use of SMP. Or they have some benefits by using different memory allocators, which maybe are not beneficial for general purpose cases, but for a specific case makes sense to do like uh, static allocations that you can just hand over at runtime, for instance, or also the same part for scheduling. Some unikernels may require real-time schedulers. Some are super happy with a cooperative one. 
and some really need a preemptive scheduling system. Simon, you've been working on this for quite a while, it sounds like. And maybe when did, when did Alexander get involved? I'm a PhD student at Lancaster University. I originally heard about Unicraft through the Zen mailing list and then saw uh, sort of there was a workshop paper that was published by Simon and several of the colleagues at NEC describing what Unicraft was. And I found it and got my hands dirty with it because I was researching Unikernels at the time. And I was also primarily using MiniOS, which is the implementation that Zen provide to allow you, if you want to build a Unikernel, I guess you can build it with that, but its primary purpose is to sort of demonstrate how to implement the interfaces that Zen offers, right? So if you're building a new operating system, then you can reference these. And there'd been some interesting work done with it. And I was uh, sort of looking at how you can do efficient VNFs, virtual network functions with MiniOS. And Unicraft sort of came along and made it really easy, actually, to hack the code base of a Unikernel and put whatever you want inside of it and became clear for me um, that this was going to be the sort of the future of Unikernels. And I actually then ended up joining um, NEC as an intern sort of about six months later after some heckling emails with the team and kind of stayed on because the community was growing the work that was being done was very interesting. Um, so I originally came on board to help with uh, developing some tooling to make it easier to use Unicraft. So we have a CLI companion command line tool called Craft. Craft um, basically is the apt get of Unikernels or Unicraft Unikernels. It allows you to manage your libraries and allows you to quickly retrieve different components that you would like if you're sort of building them by hand. Manage versions, allows you, it sort of abstracts the whole construction process of Unicraft itself. Uh, Unicraft sort of being written in C and using makefile and kconfig, similar to uh, the Linux kernel, it abstracts all of this. And so every time you enter the command line, you can you know, quickly build a Unikernel and you can retrieve also pre-built Unikernels, um, sort of get the ball rolling if you want to build your application this way. Um, and so I came on board to hack on this and to add some more abstract libraries, some of the stuff that Simon was saying. I think one of the core design goals of and, and architectural decisions that is made within Unicraft is to have really abstract interfaces that allow you to plug in things that you want. For instance, one of the things that I was building is something called POSIX socket. And we know Socket has the ability to open up a connection to something. Typically, you know, it could be TCP. But uh, actually, if you think about this API as an abstract interface, you can plug in anything. And so my goal was to be able to plug in, without making any changes to the application itself, the ability to, for instance, share memory between two virtual machines that were running on the same host. So instead of doing TCP, it would just be a shared memory. And then you'd just increase the throughput between those two VMs uh, significantly without having to touch the TCP IP stack. So I came involved sort of in this process. But during this time and over the last two years, the community has been growing quite significantly and we've had a lot more contributors join on and I've been helping foster this community. I think uh, the whole core team have. Now I help try and develop Unicraft into, uh, you know, it has an open source component to Unicraft, but there's a SaaS and, and, and product side as well. And I aid and help and develop things like this. But this is this is really like developer-focused sort of tools and systems, right? So my interest with Unicraft is how can we make someone use a Unikernel in the easiest way possible? How can they bring their application sort of either seamlessly through, you know, maybe just like there's like one command line that you call within a CI/CD pipeline, for example, or how do we how do we sew in 
unikernels into existing ecosystem frameworks, such as Kubernetes, for example. Kubernetes, the de facto industry standard way of scheduling services. What tooling can we make that makes it uh, as simple as possible to make it possible to run a unikernel in that way and sort of helped develop tools that would make that possible. So we can actually do that, right? Uh, we created a tool called uh, RunU. In the, in the same vein as Run C, that sits as a sort of bit of glue in between the OCI definitions and Kubernetes orchestration framework. So this is this is kind of sort of my involvement within Unicraft itself. I mean, it's also really for the project itself, the dream in the future to see much more adoption of Unikernels, especially also in, in enterprise and cloud, etc. And the way we think how this really will work out is only if we can get the tools and also using union kernels as non-disruptive as possible for end users or DevOps, et cetera. I think that that's how we believe the adoption will occur, right? You won't even know that your application is running as a unikernel. It just will be. And you transparently get the performance and uh, efficiency benefits, right? Yeah, that makes sense. And, and, and I, I gather that as well from your website that... Um, a lot of Unicraft's advantages are more in its its kind of tooling and ability for you, for you to easily include it and be non-disruptive to the rest of your build pipeline. That's fantastic. And the other maybe aspect that's kind of interesting about Unicraft is that it has a lot of academic and kind of research university backing. That's both where you two come from, it sounds like, but it's also broader than just your institutions. There's a lot of other institutions on board, is that right? Yeah, of course, we have a couple of universities uh, that are in collaboration with us, actually. We do also join publications. Like recently, uh, we published a work on isolating the library ecosystem that we have with different techniques, like so that you could even uh, per library isolation to get more, uh, let's say, research-driven secure operating systems built. Because if you take Unicraft as an SDK for operating systems, let's say, this is quite easy to do as well. What we also actually work a lot on currently is for the application compatibility, which means basically for us a Linux compatibility, where we're also currently trying to understand how much really needs to be implemented of Linux functionality in order to run most of the existing applications. Of course, this depends per application, but you can come up with kind of uh, histograms telling you what are the important system calls to implement. And then it's also still you have like things like vectored systems calls like IOCTL as, a, as an example, where you have a lot of functionality behind a single system call. Also to trying to understand what's needed there, right, in order to be sure when the next application comes that we have the libraries available that implement uh, part of the system call set to run that application. To help answer the question, these are all different avenues that Unicraft is exploring sort of, yes, academically. And what they aim to do is like validate all the claims against unikernels, right? They help prove to the wider community that uh, a lot of thought and engineering and, and tests have gone in to show that this is a correct way to build something. This is a very systematic way. This is a very performant way. This is a very secure way. This is a very compatible way. Um, so the recent security paper that we had was published at ASPLOS, used to show that we can do per library compartmentalization. You know, I don't trust this library, like the network stack. I want to put that in a secure enclave. Or 
this process compatibility. You know, we're doing research to show, okay, look, these are the system calls that we care about or that most applications care about. How can we pragmatically and how can we systematically make sure that this is the right way to make it compatible, right? Actually, on the compatibility front, one question I've had as I've looked over Unicraft, you've done some impressive Linux compatibility. I believe that you also talk a lot about kind of the hypervisor platform that these Unikernels will run on. Are they kind of built specific to a certain hypervisor technology? Or am I misunderstanding some of the configuration? So actually, the idea is uh, for us specializing towards the application. So this is the, the uh, let's say, bottom-up specialization. But we also want to specialize down to the execution environment where we are. So for instance, different hypervisors provide also different, let's say, virtualized interfaces. And we believe it doesn't make sense much to carry all sorts of different implementations if you anyway know your execution environment. So for hypervisor support, we have also libraries that implement these specifics. Like one is for Xen and is really optimized for the Xen environment. Another one is for a KVM guest. And the build system will, depending on your selection, build multiple images, one for each target hypervisor. And so far in the open source part, what we support currently is Xen. This is actually the, where we come from, but we did a lot of work for the uh, for KVM guests with Kimo. But we have also work currently in the community going on for supporting VMware, ESX, Hyper-V, Firecracker, and a number of other hypervisors, actually. So that in the end, this pool of library that we have get extended by more hypervisor support as well. The idea behind building something with Unicraft is that you have your application and then you can target these different platforms or different architectures. Build once your application, but then compile many times. So you can just, okay, I want to compile for Zen now. Or, okay, I get the Zen image or I get the KVM image. I compile it that way. You set your configuration statically beforehand and then you get this different image. It makes actually sure that you are never running or actually including drivers that you will never need at your runtime for your target environment. So for instance, a Vertio would be included for KVM, but in the Zen part, you would have a Zen native virtualized network drivers, for instance, as an example. And maybe you can um, talk about the state of the project today. So you've been working on this for a little bit, and it seems like the project's kind of reaching an inflection point in terms of usability and adoption? That's true. Actually, um, what happens today as well, also for the core team behind is that we're trying to spin off from NEC Corporation with this open source project, actually. So to build a company behind, to provide uh, some, some enterprise services, to develop actually the tooling further for enterprise users as well, but also for, for the community. And to more focus on the engineering parts that are still still missing for a seamless experience as well. The community itself is definitely growing. I think one of the traits that we found is that a lot of students end up finding the open source software through uh, hackathons that we host or our um, projects that are open. And as a result, the number of contributors that we have are at university and they're learning and we're guiding them and, and um, they're bringing on new features. And so uh, over the last two years, I think we've seen such a really, and maybe even just the last year, we've had enormous growth in the community. We, for example, have a Discord server with uh, over 150 
people and sort of always about a hundred people online actively talking about different parts of the you know, of Unicraft, different libraries or different architectures or different platforms that they're you know aiding to introduce or modify. Fantastic. What does the year hold for you coming up? I'm, what can users get excited about or maybe work on? We have a lot of uh, features planned for this year, targeting new platforms. The ones that uh, Simon said, hopefully we'll be getting those in uh, the next quarter or two. Also, uh, we're always presenting our work at different conferences or open source events. And so we have planned hackathons, hopefully uh, within Europe, um, hopefully within uh, Asia as well. We're looking to try and break uh, the, the Asian market. We have some contacts there. But uh, at the moment, we also have Google Summer of Code uh, as an organization. So if you're looking to get involved over the summer as a sort of paid intern uh, working with Unicraft and working with us, uh, building additional platforms or different libraries, then do get in contact. But if, if you're looking to get involved, yeah, do visit our website. It's just unicraft.org. Or if you're an enterprise and looking uh, to get uh, something a little bit more commercial support, unicraft.io. Yeah, I don't know if there's anything else, Simon, that I might be missing. Other than that, we have a bunch of projects running. For instance, uh, what we try to is uh, bringing in other languages. So because the, the, the base uh, system so far is written in C, but I think something like a mixed language uh, unikernel could be something interesting too. If you can just link components uh, just together and choose uh, the best fitting programming language for the components like you take something type safe for an allocator for instance or um, using some other language properties for other components like the TCP stack or the scheduler for instance. There is also um, more work currently going on for the Linux compatibility especially since we have different porting mechanisms. One of them is actually just uh, compiling your source code together with the Unicraft code and since the application expects like a glibc uh, standard linux interface we are um, currently hardly working to get muscle at work which uh, is license compatible actually with our project plus is the closest to uh, glibc as well and also on the other side, what we're also going to release soon is uh, supporting of um, uh, binary um, compatibility layer so that you could even run a pre-compiled application that is compiled for Linux on the Unicraft Unicorn. Of course, with some performance hits, let's say, but it makes it easier to use. And then you can still decide if you want to put some more effort into a native ported version of the application to Unicraft. Sounds like a busy year for the two of you. I really appreciate you coming on the show because this is an exciting technology that it's one we've discussed as an industry off and on for five, 10 years. And it's fun to see it coming into kind of a usable, stable, production ready thing. A uh, shout out to your users and where they can find you. Thank you for mentioning the Discord group and your website and appreciate all the great work you're doing. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for having us. Yeah. You can find today's show notes and past episodes at contributor.fyi. Until next time, I'm Eric Anderson, and this has been Contributor. Contributor.